Bibles in our hands. Come on, this is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and I believe it. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do, and I am who it says I am. I am accepted in the Beloved, blessed to be a blessing, a chosen generation, destined to reign in Christ, empowered to make a difference, and forgiven of all my sin. If you believe that, shout amen. And the last several weeks, we actually started a new Wednesday night series looking at the Old Testament characters of the Bible. And the last character we've studied is Joseph. And we began this study out of Genesis with the phrase that simply said, says, Joseph dreamed a dream. God gave Joseph a dream. And as you read through and study the life of Joseph, you see that this dream wasn't just handed to him on a silver platter. There were a lot of challenges and obstacles that he had to go through to bring his dream to pass. And he had a lot of opportunities to give up on his dream. Amen? To begin with, his family, they didn't even believe in him. Huh? His, none of his siblings believed in him. In fact, they were jealous of his dream. His parents didn't even fully understand the call of God and the dream that God had given him for his life. Long story short, Joseph brings his dream to pass. And as a result, as a result of fulfilling the dream that God placed in his heart, he ended up being the salvation, not only of his entire family, but the entire nation of Israel. And so, as we talk about how to bring our dreams to pass, I want to remind you, and remember, we had several D's. Remember, we took an acrostic of the word dream. you got to make the right deposits. you got to nurture the desire for your dream. Okay, You have to make wise, godly decisions. You have to have discipline and diligence. And you got to do the right things to bring your dream to pass. And then we went into the letter R. you got to have relationships. You will not fulfill your dream on your own. It takes energy to bring your dream to pass. So don't spin your wheels or waste your time with things that don't matter. In fact, you should only spend your energy on things you can change. And things... Drew, take some water, son. Okay? You're coughing. Drink something. Things that you can change... And things that really count. Everything else is just a waste of your time. And then you have to have the right attitude. Your attitude more than your aptitude will deter, determine your altitude. How high and how far you'll go. The Bible says we're to have the same attitude that Christ had. And then we talked about this at the end of worship. you got to map out your dream. And you got to believe in the God of miracles to see your dream come to pass. Amen? Amen? But listen, even in, in, in light of all that, bringing your dream to pass, just like Joseph, you need to remember that the dream that God has given you, it isn't just about you. It's not, it's not like the world. It's not like a, this isn't a self-help message, how to, how to turn your dreams into reality and some self-help message because where self-help ends is they, most of the time, they factor out the God factor. And it all centers around you. And you need to realize that when God gives you a dream, it doesn't just impact your life. 
When God gave Joseph a dream, it wasn't just about, hey, Joseph, you're going to be really cool by being the second in command over the entire nation of Egypt, the world power of the day. It wasn't about that. He did end up being that and and fulfilling that role, but it was about being a blessing to others. How many remember the best way to live is we're called to, we're blessed to be a blessing, amen? That we're here to be instruments of God's divine favor. We're here to be preventers of misfortune. And man, that's what you see Joseph doing as a result of fulfilling his dream. And I'm here to tell you, when God gives you a dream, when he places that desire in your heart to do something for him and for his kingdom, whether that's the start of business or it's a ministry, whatever endeavor he's leading you into, you need to realize it doesn't just revolve around you. It's about making you a blessing to others. It's about you extending his divine favor to others. It's about you preventing misfortune in the lives of others. Can I get an amen? And then, not last week, we were out of town, but the week before, we looked at, we started a series within this series called The Deadly D's. And we're looking at some of the things that will derail us and get us off track and keep us from walking in the fullness of God's plan for our life. And the first thing we looked at, the first D is, y'all remember? Distractions. Distractions. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 verse 2, I love this in the Amplified, it says, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith. Looking away. From all that will distract. Remember, you need to focus on what you can change, what you can control, and what really counts. Everything else is a waste of time. You need to focus on what you can change, what you can control, and what really counts. Anything outside of those three things is a waste of your time, effort, money, and energy. If you can't control it, if you can't change it, and it really doesn't matter in light of eternity, let it go. Amen? Because it's just going to serve as a distraction in your life. Now, how many know we all have to contend with distractions? Talk to me, somebody. All of us. See, sometimes I think maybe we get discouraged. Uh, Maybe we think maybe something is wrong with us spiritually. Uh, You know, maybe we think we have more distractions to deal with than other people. But I'm here to tell you, if you're going to do anything great for God, I'm here to tell you, all of us, if you're going to fulfill your role and be a a great husband and wife, be a great mom or dad, huh? if you're going to do something significant with your life, you're going to have to learn to contend with and overcome distractions. Amen? And I discovered, open your Bibles with me to 1 John 2. I've discovered five key distractions that we have to be aware of and overcome. 1 John chapter 2, and that's where we left off. So now everyone's up to speed, and so let's get trucking. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do you have it? 1 John 2, verse 15 says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you... Love the world, 
Now, I'm going to know when he's talking about the world, he's not talking about mountains and rivers and trees. and He's not saying don't care about the beauty of the world. He's talking about this world system. Amen? He's talking about this world system that is diabolically opposed to the kingdom of God. Okay? He's talking about greed and selfishness and, and, and the things in our culture that are not godly. That's what he means by the world. Okay, So do not love the world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And the world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So it's the things we do for the kingdom of God that will stand the test of time. Amen? And so in this verse, there are five key things we need to be aware of that will distract us. The first one is people. You need to be aware of the people in your life. And I've said this before, but it bears repeating. Anytime God wants to take you to another level, he will send someone significant into your life. It could be a pastor. It can be, uh, it, it, it can be a, a brother or sister at church. It, it, but anytime God wants to propel you and take you to a, another level, because how many know if we can get there on our own, we probably would have already gotten there? Amen? See, you are where you are right now, wherever you're at, in your marriage, and your finances, and your health, you're where you're at based upon all the resources, utilizing all the resources and the knowledge and the ability and the networking and the relationships you have right now. So that got you to where you're at now. And so if you want to go to another level, and that's why many times even great athletes who have achieved and we don't think they can get any higher, what will they do? If they hit a plateau, what will they do? Man, they'll get another coach. They'll get a coach from a different perspective. People have financial advisors. People have business coaches. People have personal workout coaches. People have all these different people in their life. How come? To help them get to the next level in different areas of their lives. Amen? So anytime God wants to take you to another level, he'll send someone. He'll send a message he'll, he'll, into your life that will propel you and help you move on. But on the other side, you also need to realize anytime the enemy wants to distract you, he will send someone into your life. Now, you need to remember, you need to realize that anytime the enemy sends someone into your life, okay, all right, they don't come with horns, pitchfork, and tail wagon. They don't come dressed in a red suit saying, hey, the devil sent me. I'm going to take you down. No, they come wrapped, brothers, and a pretty package. And they look all fine. Sisters, they come looking all charming and handsome. And they may even go to church and lift a hand. Hmm? So you got to remember, the Bible says that even the devil can appear as an angel of light. So just because the package is pretty 
listen, and it's because the package looks all right. Listen, that could even be more of a deceptive of a, of a package. I mean, of a, of a distraction. Amen? So you have to use discernment. Are they propelling you in, further along in your assignment? If they're not, it's a distraction. Glad that went over real well. Amen, Pastor. Preach that. You're telling the truth. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, if that was obvious, he would not say, Don't be misled. He begins that whole phrase by saying, Listen up. Don't be misled. Don't be deceived. Don't be tricked. Don't be outwitted. Bad company corrupts good manners or good character. Now, why would we be outwitted? Why would we be misled? Why would we be deceived? Because as Christians, we think we're going to rub off on them. Teenagers, I see it all the time. We get involved in missionary dating. What's missionary dating? Well, I'm going to date them, and as a result of me dating them, they're going to get saved. Hey, you can invite them to church without going out with them. And then when they've been to church for 10 years, then you can go out on a date. (laughs) Not really. Five. Huh? Come on, talk to me, somebody. See, the reason we're misled is we think, we really think, well, I'm going to go to the party because I'm going to be a witness. Everyone else is going to be drinking, but not me. I'm not going to drink. Promise. Promise. Not going to drink. What's that in your hand, fool? <laughs> huh? And see, we, and what happens is we end up, we get misled. We get deceived. So you got to remember that bad company is contagious. Good character is not. It's like sickness. Okay? When you go into the hospital, okay, you, 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 you want to keep the germs from coming on. Your health doesn't jump on them and make them better. I mean, outside of you laying hands on the sick and they recover, and you understand. Okay? But you, you no, you, you, you can catch what they got. You catch the infection. You catch the virus. You catch the bacteria. Right? That's why we cover our mouth when we sneeze. I mean, we don't go, oh, that was healing. Oh, did you get it? Do you feel better? No, I'm just wet. Okay, so no, no, that, and that's silly, but I use it as an example, and we do it all the time. So don't be misled. People are misled all the time, and we enter into relationships, and they may look okay, and they, but I met them in church, Pastor. Guys, pray on girls who go to church. Huh? They want a church girl. People can be a distraction. Another one, your past. 
your past. So people can be a distraction. And then your past. Philippians 3 verse 12 says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on. Say press on. I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Say one thing. And you know what the one thing he focuses on? Forgetting the past. I focus on this one thing, not ten things. See, you come here, Pastor Todd, I give you seven things, I give you five things, I give you three Ps, I give you six million Ds. But the Apostle Paul, he said, you know what? I just focus on one thing. He gives us one thing and one thing only. Forget the past. I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. See, you're either going to be paralyzed by your past or focused on your future, but you will never do both. I'm going to say that again. You will either be paralyzed by your past or focused on your future, but you will never be able to successfully accomplish both. And so many people, they never move forward in their life because they're paralyzed by their past. The divorce, the abuse, the hurt, the wound, the disappointment. And listen, those things are very real and they're very hurtful and I'm not minimizing them. But they're weights. So you got to step into the arena and become the biggest loser. And you got to lay aside the weight. And you got to let that go. And you got to realize that although life will be different, it will be good again. I said it will be good again. Amen? If you forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead. He goes on to say, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So you need to realize your past is not a rule for your future. Your past is not a rule for your, for your future. So people can be a distraction. Your past can be a distraction. And then another one, possessions. Possessions can. They don't have to be, but possessions can be a distraction. Remember we read in 1 John 2, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure and a craving for everything we see. So possessions, in Matthew 6.24 and Luke 16.13, uh, Jesus says the same thing in both passages. He says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, he didn't say you couldn't have both God and money. He said you can't serve. You can't love. He's talking about the relationship of it. You can't be consumed with things and still have an authentic, real, red-hot relationship with Him. Amen? Because being consumed by things will drive out your passion for the kingdom. Now, we didn't say you can't have God and you can't have nice things. That is not what Jesus said. He said you can't serve them. You can't love them. He's talking about your relationship with things. Amen? 
and we and you and you see people. I mean, they have to have the latest greatest. Nothing wrong with having the latest greatest. The only problem is is when it becomes all consuming. Talk to me, somebody. I remember when when uh, the Harry Potter was a big deal, and I guess you know the last movie showed and. It's dying down and, you know, I guess Spider-Man is, or the Avengers is the next big thing. Whatever. Cool. And I remember all the churches got on this bandwagon on the evils of, of, of Harry Potter. Okay? Now, I, I'm not here either way to jump on that bandwagon. Because I, I, I think there's a bigger evil than whether Harry Potter was, uh, is right or wrong or whatever. Okay, Here's the bigger evil. I remember when Blockbuster, where the Smiling Moose and the Burrito Place is now, when Blockbuster was still there, I believe it was the second book. The second book or the second movie. The second movie came out. It was, probably came out on VHS. That's how old it was. No, not really. It came out on DVD. But I remember when it came out. And you know what? Here's what gripped me. Is when I got there and the line. And we went in just to rent some other movie. But I just remember, man, there was this line of kids, elementary age kids with their parents. Just filling, they were all in the store and then outside. And, and I th- actually, I don't think they had it in stock yet. They were actually just signing up for it. And I just remember thinking, you know what? The biggest evil here is not whether Harry Potter is evil or right or wrong. That's not the big deal. It's how consumed their, the parents allow their kids to get over some fictional character. Talk to me, somebody. Huh? I mean, why don't you redirect? Do they get that excited about VBS? Do they get that excited about, about church? Do they get that excited about a new Bible translation that's coming out? Huh? Talk to me, somebody. Huh? That's the, that's the crime. The crime isn't, oh, all the wizardry. The crime is you're obsessed with a fictional character. It's consumed you. Huh? And it's all the way. And listen, nothing wrong with liking popular things. I'm not saying that. But it's, 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 it's like it possessed them. Amen? So people... Your past, possessions. Another one is pride. It says the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. And we talked about this a little bit Sunday, how pride comes before a fall, so we'll move to the last one. And the last one is your passions. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. Your passions. In James chapter 1, verse 12, it says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Verse 14, listen says temptation comes from our own desires. Temptation comes from our own passions, which entice us and drag us away. These desires or passions give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed 
to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. So the first obstacle to your dream coming to pass are distractions. So what is in your life that is distracting you? People? Come on, ladies. Is there some clown in your life? Huh? Getting in the way? You just don't see his big red nose? Because you're misled? Brothers? But he's my friend. Is he really your friend? Does he inspire you to godliness? Does he inspire you to great things? Huh? So... Is there anything in your life that's distracting you? People, what about your past? You still hanging on to that? See, some of us carry our past around kind of like Linus did his blanket. We, for, we find comfort in wallowing and repeating our past, our hurts, our wounds. And we carry it around. And I'm here to tell you, you need to lose the weight. You need to quit dragging that thing around. Maybe it's possessions. Is there anything in your life that's consuming your attention more than it needs to? Pride? What about your passions? Are you keeping your passions in check? Is there anything you need to stop doing and turn away from it? Number two. So distractions is number one. The second deadly D is division. Division. Double vision. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You still with me tonight? All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 1. Now this is powerful. Pay attention here. You got to get this. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1. And Paul says, And I, brethren... Could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you still are not able, for you are still carnal. Now watch. Now he's about to go into what's making them carnal. And we would think something like adultery. Drew, drink your water, buddy. When you, when you cough, drink that so you won't keep coughing. Okay. We think of adultery. We think of stealing. We think of lying. We think of big things. We think of, uh, of, 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 of big, horrible sins, right? Huh? When we think of so, someone that is being carnal... Huh? We, we, really, we usually get a picture of, of some big old hairy sin, right? But watch what he says. He says, you are still carnal for watch. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? The thing that Paul points out and makes a big deal about that was a sign of carnality, was envy, strife, and division. Envy, strife, 
and division. And can I be upfront and honest with you? We see this in churches all the time. We see this in youth groups all the time. Huh? What do you think we call cliques? Divisions. What do you think you call all the well well you well I think well Talk to me somebody What are you doing? I'll tell you what you're doing you're carnal You're carnal And that's the way the church in Corinth was they were divided. They had some other issues going on too. But Paul didn't rebuke them here for adultery. He didn't rebuke them here for their foul mouth. He rebukes them here for their division. And Paul says, stop. In fact, he says, you know what, guys? You know what? I can't. You know what? I can't even speak to you like spiritual people. I have to talk to you like you're carnal, like, like mere men. In other words, you know what he's saying? You know what, guys? It's like you're not even saved. It's like you're not even saved. It's like you don't even know Jesus. It's like the cross and salvation and all the things you say you know, you, it's had no effect in your life. It's produced nothing, made no difference whatsoever. It's as if you're a heathen and you never knew. I don't know about you, but I never want God saying about me, Todd, you're so carnal. I don't want that said about my life. What about you? So let me ask you something. Do you call, are you divisive? Are you divisive? Or are you a peacemaker? Do you try to bring things together and bring wholeness? Or do you point out differences? Point out, well, did you hear about Remember what I said about think before you speak or hear? You got to think. Number one, is it true? T-H-I-N-K. Is it true? And then after that, even if it is true, is that helpful? Really, is it helpful? Is that sharing that fact you know about someone to someone else, does that help the person you're telling and does it help the person you're telling them about? Is it really helpful? If not, then guess what? You're causing strife. You're causing division. You're carnal. It's like you're not even saved. Glad that went well. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Come on. Is that really necessary to say that? Is it kind? Division. Division. It's huge. I shared this Sunday, James chapter 3, verse 14 says, If you harbor bitter envy 
and strife in your hearts. Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Do you realize that when you're divisive, you're being demonic? See, some of you have a demon and you don't realize it. Every time you open the mouth, your mouth, Satan shows up. Do you realize that? Some of you, see, you think the fact that you don't foam at the mouth and your head's not spinning around and pea green soup doesn't come out your nose. See, we've watched The Exorcist way too many times and we forgot about reading our Bible. See, where there's carnality, where there's, where there's strife and where there's envy and when you're divisive, when you, when you say things that are not helpful and they're not inspiring and they're not necessary and they're not kind. See, you're not being spiritual. When you open your mouth, see, Satan shows up, brings division, brings hurt, brings pain. It'd be better to just accept the wrong and move on. Do you realize that? Do you know that you don't have to tell everyone the details of how someone hurt you? <laughs> Join the crowd. Join the club. Everyone's been hurt. Get over it. Get over it. Get over it. We've all been hurt. We've all been abused in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And I'm not minimizing sexual abuse or physical abuse in any way. It's a horrible thing. But you know what? Everyone in this room has been abused somehow, some way. Sorry, you're not special in that way. You're not the only one. Is this all right? This is grow up stuff, isn't it? See, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic. Do you realize that? So you need to open your mouth. You need to really think when you open your mouth. So you think, I'm just sharing my opinion. No, you're not. You're being demonic. What you call your opinion, the Bible calls satanic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition or strife, there you find disorder in every evil practice. Now you wonder why your life doesn't go forward. Now you know. There it is. That's why. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy. See, full of mercy. Full of mercy. Not blabbing everything. Full of mercy. And good fruit. Impartial and sincere. Amen? Look at Psalm 1. You still with me tonight? You still love me? You know, a good parent, when they love their kids, they spank them. So I love you, bend over. Right here. This is what God uses to spank us, right here. He uses his word. Look at Psalm 1, familiar psalm, but it says, Blessed. How many want to be blessed? Blessed is the man. Notice there's conditions. Blessed is the man. They're blessed. If they follow certain conditions. Number one, who what? Who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, they don't, they don't listen to divisive people. Now here's the deceptive thing. We're, we're on relationships a lot, aren't we? 
People. Remember, people can be one of those distractions. Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good morals. See, we read this and it says, such wisdom in James 3 does not come down from heaven. See, the thing about strife is it appears wise. I shared this Sunday. Strife, it appears. The reason for people vomiting their strife and the reason we are misled and we listen to it is because it's cloaked in wisdom and intellect. It makes sense. But the Bible says it's earthly, unspiritual, and it's demonic. Why? Because there's no purity. It's not peace-loving. It's not considerate, submissive. It's not submitted to any authority. Watch the people who are telling you that, and I guarantee you they don't have authority figures in their life. They're just flying off at the mouth. Full of their lack in mercy, no good fruit. Amen? So we're blessed. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. They don't listen to that divisive stuff. Nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. And then it goes on to contrast that, his delights in the law of the Lord. In other words, he listens to this instead of allowing his ears, giving his ears to potty mouth. Now notice, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see the progression. Notice they start off, it says, blessed is the man who walks not. See, here's what happens. Divisiveness works this way. First of all, you start walking. You're moving. At least you're still moving forward. But there comes a period of time, if you keep listening to that divisive stuff, you're walking, you're moving forward, you stop making forward progress. It says, blessed is the man who walks not. But if you start listening, okay, you're walking. But then it says what? Then it moves to standing in the paths of sinners. Now all of a sudden, now you're not walking, you stop to consider. You're standing in the path of sinners. And then all of a sudden, you get real comfortable, and you just sit in the seat of the scornful. Do you see the progression? Now where are you going? Now where are you moving? Now where are you heading? But you know, it all started by walking in the counsel of the ungodly. It all started by giving your ear to divisive people. And you started walking in it, and then you go, you know what, that kind of makes sense. You know, now that you say that, yeah, you know what, in fact, I remember... And you camp out right there. And guess what? Destiny's moving on down the road. I said destiny's moving right on down the road. So distractions and division. You want to open the door to a bunch of junk in your life? Be an agent of divisiveness. Number three. Is this all right? Discouragement. The third obstacle to destiny is discouragement. How many know this comes all the time? Usually from divisive people. (laughs) The air is full of discouragement. You know, think about Joseph. Bless Joseph's heart, man. He had his own family. His own family who didn't believe in him. Some of you relate to that. But Joshua chapter 1, Joshua He's the commander-in-chief now. Moses has passed away, and you talk about big shoes to fill. Amen? 
Joshua has to pick up where Brother Mo left off. Dude, I don't know that there could ever be bigger shoes to fill. I mean, Moses was an incredible leader. Huh? Moses taught with God face to face. Actually, God had to turn his back because he couldn't allow Moses to see his glory and still live. But Moses had that kind of relationship with God. Amen? Y'all remember Moses was so close to God, he had to put a veil over his face just so people could get a good night's sleep because God's glory just shone out of him. It's funny, funny story, true story. One time, back when perms were popular, I got a perm my junior year in high school. What are you laughing about? I look sexy in my hair. Look at my senior picture, you'll see. So anyway, I had these golden locks of curls. Looked almost as sexy as Joshua. Not quite. Anyway, I got uh, Rusty Swanson at Word of Life, was the youth pastor at Word of Life. And uh, he had heard about my testimony and he asked if I would give my testimony at the youth group. And so I just hung around uh, some of the kids in his youth group. I'd just been hanging around them and I'd straight hair. And so some of them were looking at me like, who's this guy? And I'm like, man, I just, I just met you guys. I just got a perm. And so then I opened up my sermon. I said, you know, you remember how Moses spent time with God, and as a result of spending time with God, his face began to shine? He said, man, I just went into the presence of God. My hair was straight. <laughs> and when I got out, this, they believed it. They were teenagers, what can I say? What are y'all laughing about? They, they, <laughs> they were, I guess they were gullible or whatever. I was convincing, I guess. Anyway, I don't know why I told that story. Oh, yeah, because of Moses. So Joshua, he's got to fill in the shoes of Moses. And it says in Joshua 1, 6, 7, and 9. Listen how many times God says this. He says, be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you. Wherever you go. That's a good word, isn't it? Joshua 1, verse 6, verse 7, and verse 9. So one of the, probably one of the top reasons people fail in life is simply because, man, they just get discouraged. Talk to me. We've all been there. All of us, whether you're in the ministry, whether you're in business, whether it's a relationship, school, sports, Name anything that's meant anything to you. As a parent, we've all been discouraged. Come on, talk to me, mom and dad. Huh? We've all been through times of discouragement. Man, are, are they going to get it? Am I, am, I, am, I, am I making any difference? Am I being the dad I need to be? Am I being the mom I need to be? Am, am I disciplined enough? Am I too disciplined? Come on, we've all been there. Huh? We've all been discouraged in our faith, in our walk with God. Amen? And one of the things that produces discouragement is this. One of the biggest things of discouragement is 
is real or perceived failure? Is real or perceived failure? And listen, here's something I, I, want, to, I want to ask. Is, has anyone here tonight, anyone here never ever failed? With anything? Anyone? And now everyone look around at all the hands. Boy, we're all just a bunch of losers, aren't we? Thank you, Jesus. Uh, because he, God specializes in taking failures and making them winners. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Huh? Yeah, so there's no one here, you know, who you hit the ball every time in T-ball. Right? Never struck out. Hit it every time. Every time you took a test, you always made 100, right? Always made 100. Never bombed a test. Never blew it. Don't you hate those people? Come on, talk to me, somebody. Huh? No. We have all failed somehow, some way. None of us have made 100% every time in every area of our life. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Huh? And so, we've all failed. We've all blown it. One of the things I was actually thinking about in Joshua today, and several years ago, Todd and I heard this preacher in, at a conference, and he was preaching about sweatless victory. And so we get these weird notions sometimes when we talk about faith that if we reach a certain point in our faith, then life is a rose garden and we have victory without fighting. And one of the, 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 the stories that they used to illustrate that is Joshua with Jericho. Now, one of the things that, that we forget is that God brought the walls of Jericho down, but there was still a battle at Jericho. God didn't kill everybody in Jericho and said, okay. In fact, there were so many people there and so many things that they were charged to do in the battle that they blew it. And then the next town over, the little small dinky town, they got, they got uh, beaten and defeated in. But there is no such thing as, as sweatless victory. It, you know, every time, um, and, and I think that's why we get discouraged because we think, well, you know, if I were brother and so-and-so and I had enough faith to raise people from the dead, and this, then wouldn't, be so this wouldn't be so hard. And discouragement gets to set in, begins to set in because we're in a battle. And faith is not, there's not a level of faith that you can reach where the battles don't come. Faith is not measured in amounts. It's measured in longevity. Faith is not how, how, how much you have. There's not a faith meter in heaven. Faith is how long you hang on to God's word. Amen. And you just don't quit. And one of the things we, one of the sayings we have here at CFC is uh, we don't believe in failures. We just believe in experiments that don't always work. Amen. Can I tell you one that didn't work? Can I tell you a recent one? Huh? And, and I'll tell you, you know, and I could have the opportunity to go, man, Nelson, you're just really stupid. You know that? Huh? And I could wallow in that. I mean, you know, one of the things we, we meant well, but one of the things we started off at the beginning of the year, I thought it was really important that everyone went through 2-7. And so to avoid distractions, I canceled every other small group. Canceled all the women's group, canceled the men's breakfast, and I said, you know what? I don't want anything competing. I want to, we're all going to do 2-7. That was stupid. One of the stupidest things I've ever done. Want me to prove it? 69 women were at a ladies' meeting this past Sunday. So obviously, there was a need there that went unmet. Now, my intention wasn't to do that. My intention was to focus us and men and women together go through 2-7. But you know what? It didn't work. It didn't work. Now, 2-7's still going. We still enjoy it. We believe we, we did that. But 
So, so we all make mistakes. We all blow it. But you know what? We try different things. If that didn't work, we try it again. We're always up here praising worship. We'll try something. Nah, that didn't work. Nah, let's try something else. Let's try a different sound. Let's try a different beat. Let's try a different rhythm. Let's try a different. One of the reasons uh, we're, we're trying some different things with lighting. And so, listen, man, we all fail. We all blow it. We got to get over it. Amen? So, uh, and, and then some of us, we get so discouraged because of what could happen. Right? It's like we want some kind of guarantee in life. Well, listen, you got to realize we're all called to live by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. Now, that doesn't mean we're foolish. That doesn't mean we, 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 we don't make plans. Amen? But at the end of the day, we walk by faith, not by sight. Do you know we live by faith every time we have a service? I'm always amazed you come. I'm serious. I'm serious. You don't have to. You don't have to be here. You don't have to come Sunday. You don't have to invite people. You don't have to give. Ushers don't have guns. Give more. Hey. That's... I'm joking, kind of. No, not really. I'm totally kidding. Totally. Maybe electric prods would be more legal. No, <laughs> I'm totally joking. So, which reminds me one time, Shelly, by the way, she, we were at uh, Tractor Supply, and I'm not going to you know, give you the full side of the story, which she would tell you, which the full side of the story, I guess, would be I dared her, but just forget that. <laughs> and then she actually... Poof, on the behind with a cattle prod. <laughs> Speaking of, so that could make us give more. I'm, I'm, so listen, we've all been discouraged. I want to share, and we'll close with these things. I'm going to give you a few things to help you overcome discouragement. Is that all right? Number one is this. Rehearse your past victories. Rehearse the times that God has come through for you in the past. When you're discouraged, when you're down in the valley, the valley so low. Okay? When your head is down. I want you to remember the times when healing is, is slow. Remember the times God has healed you. When provision seems slow. Remember the time that, man, you didn't know how you were going to make it. Someone knocked on your door and there was two bags of groceries. Remember the time someone gave you a Pentecostal handshake. They shook your hand and there was a $100 bill left. Remember the times that God came through. Somehow, some way, God made ends meet. Come on, talk to me, somebody. huh? Because here's what happens. You know what we do? We get so caught up in the battle, we forget our victories. We get so caught up in the battle, we forget our victories. Remember 1 Samuel 17, 36? It says, the reason David had strength and courage to go after Goliath, he remembered the lion and the bear. And he said, you know what? God delivered the lion and the bear. This giant, this uncircumcised Philistine, he won't be any different. What gave him boldness? What gave him that courage? He didn't drink a, a bottle of courage. Come on. He didn't have to pop a tot for some courage. No. He, he just remembered what God had done in the past. Okay? So re rehearse your victories. Number two. You ready? This is deep. You ready? Ready? This is deep. Don't miss this. Rest. When fatigue walks in, faith walks up. When fatigue walks in, Faith walks out. Never make a life-altering decision when you were discouraged and you were tired.
Okay? If you do, now I've made those decisions only with Shelly. I've quit pastor in this church. I can't count how many times. But only to her. I quit. Not doing it. Done. Over. Now it's been a long time because I've learned this. But every Monday, I used to get up and tell her, I'm done. I'm horrible. I'm no good. I ain't working. I'm going to go back to teaching. I'm going to go raise pigs. <laughs> and bacon. Chocolate. Okay? So, listen. It's only because you get tired. Okay? It's because you get, you, get, you get war weary. All right? Never make a life-altering decision when you're tired. So, rest, rest spiritually. God's given us the Sabbath. Physically, rest. Rest. Relax. If anything I've learned over the years is I've learned to value that more. I used to just go burn both candles and go, 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 go. Se really seven days a week. That's how I started ministry. I don't do that anymore. I don't do it anymore. Just rest. Rest. Break. Get away. Leave. Okay? Stay sharp. And, uh, and so rest. Lay down. Play with your kids. Eat a pecan pie. That works for me. Go on a vacation if you can. Okay? Do something. All right? 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. Amen? So, rehearse your victories, rest. And then lastly, reach out to an encourager. Reach out to an encourager. Call them. Call someone you know who has an encourager. I don't know anybody. Then you need to get some friends. Ladies, you need to come to the men's group. Uh, when, <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying if you're listening Actually you do You need to come to the men's group and cook and clean up <laughs> Take your rightful place no, no, really. I would have manned your chocolate fountain If you would have commanded me to circle of friends. You need an encourager. Call someone and just say, hey, tell me why the world is not going to hell in a handbasket. Tell me why. Give me five reasons why the world is not going to hell in a handbasket. Remind me. Remind me why we do this. Okay. Call someone. Reach out and touch somebody. Don't do this alone. Call a friend. Call an encourager. Someone in your life that, that is that cheerleader. You know, and they'll shoot straight with you and they'll say, hey. And they may tell you, hey, you need to rest. Hey, you just need to back off and take a break. It's going to be all right. But find that person. So rehearse your victories, rest, reach out to an encourager and get some help. Amen? So distractions. What was the second one? Divisiveness, division, right? And then lastly, discouragement. Three obstacles. To your dream. Did you learn something tonight? Did you have fun while you were learning? It's, it's good to laugh, isn't it? Amen. Amen. Well, every head bowed and every eye closed.